From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Steve Malsberg on today's News Talk Radio. TNT. All right, folks, welcome aboard. It is 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Friday here on the East Coast of the United States. And you know what day and time it is wherever you are listening to the Steve Malzberg Show or watching the Steve Malzberg Show here on TNT. A busy news day once again, and let's lead with the lead. Uh, the lead being that the U.S. Supreme Court has agreed to hear the case of Donald Trump being kicked off the ballot by the uh, Supreme Court of the state of Colorado. There will be uh, oral arguments uh, made on February 8th, so we're about uh, almost exactly a a month away from that. And then the court will weigh in and decide. And we'll we'll see what happens. And again, as I previously stated, and and, and, and this seems to be the, the the feeling amongst uh, most people, the court will rule in in Donald Trump's favor, not because he has three justices that he appointed uh, that even though they're trying to make that the story, uh, because it's the right thing. I don't think you'll get a unanimous verdict. I think it'll be seven to two. Probably two of the three left wing lunatics will vote to keep him kicked off the ballot or or grant the state the right to do so. Uh, But you can't kick you can't kick a presidential candidate off the ballot because you say he did something that he's never been charged with and he's never been convicted of, obviously. It just just doesn't. It's not democracy. It's not democracy as we have always known it, as we define it. But democracy as we have always known it and we define it is slipping away. And it's not because of one isolated incident on January 6th, where a bunch of people who should have faced consequences legally broke into the Capitol. Now, I'm not saying all of the people that have faced consequences legally should have faced consequences legally. I don't believe somebody wandering into the Capitol building after the, the rioters broke in and taking a selfie I don't think that warrants jail time, although that was the case in in, in at least one instance. And there have been other instances as well. So, again, the left and Joe Biden have nothing to run on except abortion, which Kamala is going to handle. And January 6th and the end of democracy and Donald Trump's a, a wannabe dictator and he's promised to be a dictator. Just ridiculous nonsense, okay? Ridiculous nonsense. But it was the, not only the theme, it was the whole speech given by President Joe Biden earlier today in Pennsylvania near Valley Forge. Valley Forge, of course, the site of the encampment of George Washington and his troops during the Revolutionary War. I believe the encampment was uh, 1777 to 1778 where they suffered unimaginable hardships, but persevered and emerged victorious, of course. And by the way, why don't we ask the presidential candidates what the Revolutionary War was about? I think they'll say the, the revolution against Great Britain, as opposed to what slavery about, and then they don't say slavery, whatever. But Joe Biden has nothing to run on. He gave his first major campaign address. He didn't talk about Bidenomics, 
He didn't talk about how great the country's doing and the economy. He didn't talk about his foreign policy successes in Afghanistan uh, or, or anywhere else for that matter, or in combating China with their spy balloon and all that kind of stuff. None of it. None of it. It was about January 6th, an insurrection, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump. That's what it was about. And you don't have to take my word for it because we just so happen to have some clips from Joe Biden and oh the media. Oh, but no, we're not even getting to that today. But the media, oh, he, oh, what a speech. Oh, he was just fan. Oh, he's too old. Are you kidding? He was just wonderful. Oh, Joe was just so wonderful. So let's uh, get to some of that, shall we? Because I have so much I want to get to today. Um, so uh, again, and remember, remember. You have a court that knocked a former president, the leading presidential contender at this point, in all the polls to win the nomination of his party and to beat Joe Biden. So far, it's early, but nonetheless, you have a court saying he can't run. You have a secretary of state saying he can't run. These are Democrats. And not one mention by Joe Biden of that and of that being a threat to democracy. No, the only threat to democracy is the victim of that, Donald Trump. But of course. So here we go. Uh, here we start with cut number 75. This army, whose march left bloody bare footprints in the snow, this ragtag army made up of ordinary people, their mission, George Washington declared, was nothing less than a sacred cause. That was the phrase he used, a sacred cause. Freedom, liberty, democracy, American democracy. I just visited the grounds of Valley Forge. I've been there a number of times from the time I was a Boy Scout years ago. You know, it's the very site that I think every American should visit because it tells the story of the pain and the suffering and the true patriotism it took to make America. Today, we gather in a new year, some 246 years later, just one day before January 6th. A date forever shared in our memory because it was on that day that we nearly lost America. We nearly lost America on January 6th. We nearly lost America on January 6th. Really? I mean, this is just so, again, and if it was an insurrection, as the media keeps calling it, especially today, and as Joe Biden calls it in this speech, why was nobody charged with insurrection? Why wasn't Donald Trump charged with insurrection if it was an insurrection? <laughs> Good question. You know, uh, just thought I'd, I'd throw that out there. Oh, but he's, he's just, he's just getting started. My friends, here is cut 76. Today, we're here to answer the most important of questions. Is democracy still America's sacred cause? I mean it. This is not rhetorical, academic, or hypothetical. Whether democracy is still America's sacred cause is the most urgent question of our time. And it's what the 2024 election is all about. The choice is clear. Donald Trump's campaign is about him, not America. 
not you. Donald Trump's campaign is obsessed with the past, not the future. He's willing to sacrifice our democracy, put himself in power. Our campaign is different. For me and Kamala, our campaign is about America. It's about you. It's about every age and background that occupy this country. It's about the future. We're going to continue to build together. <laughs> Unless, of course, you're a Trump supporter, then you're an enemy of the state. Now, he said Trump, all Trump talks about is the past. All Trump talks about is the past. And of course, how Trump's a threat to democracy. I think I just discussed a little bit and have over the past months and whatever of the threat to democracy we're seeing right now in this country. Perfect example, Trump kicked off the ballot in Colorado, Trump charged with crime after crime leading up to an election, you know, the attempt to put him in jail, kick him off the ballot, do whatever they can. It's all out there. That's a threat to that's third world country crap. Okay, that's what it is. Third world country crap. Make no mistake about it. That's not democracy. It's their idea of the new definition of democracy that they could put on their wall, their progressive left wing radical wall with changes in definitions because we're progressing, because we're, we're changing with the times. So you have racism change, marriage change, woman change, right on down the list. Now you put democracy change to what? To what we believe. And a threat to democracy, what they believe. That's what it is. That's basically what it amounts to. But notice he said, Donald Trump's obsessed with the past. He only talks about the past. I guess a reference to the 2020 election. Well, in this speech, all Joe Biden is talking about and will talk about and does talk about is the past. January 6th, 2021. So he's talking about the past, too. Was that lost on everybody who was affiliated with writing and putting this speech together? Well, it doesn't matter because no broadcaster, no, I mean, no, no, no news outlet, no commentator on CNN, ABC, NBC, MSM is going to say that. So they're protected no matter what they write, basically. So here's more. Uh, and the proof is, uh, is obviously in the uh, so-called pudding. And of course, when it's Biden's pudding, it's chocolate chip. <laughs> Here's cut 77. Three years ago tomorrow, we saw with our own eyes the violent mob storm the United States Capitol. It was almost in disbelief as you first turned on the television. For the first time in our history, insurrectionists had come to stop the peaceful transfer, transfer of power in America. First time, smashing windows, shattering doors, attacking the police. Outside, gallows were erected as the MAGA crowd chanted, hang Mike Pence. Inside, they hunted for Speaker Pelosi. The House was chanting as they marched through and smashed windows, where's Nancy? Over 140 police officers were injured. Jill and I attended the funeral of police officers who died as a result of the events of that day. Because, Donald, because of Donald Trump's lies, they died because these lies brought a mob to Washington. Donald Trump's lies 
were responsible for this. Donald Trump's lies. I don't know, Joe. Sounds like you're talking about the past. Sounds like you're obsessed with the past. Sounds like the only thing you have to run on is the past. You just accuse Trump of that. And in the next breath, you go on to talk about January 6th. Now, again, for clarity, for those who are just tuning in and watching or hearing me for the first time, and just to make a point, those who committed violence in any way, shape, or form on January 6th deserve to be prosecuted and in jail. I don't have a problem with that. I don't know about 11 years or or whatever. There's a couple of those, but whatever. Those who, again, were taking selfies outside the Capitol building or went in, walked in, and were just standing around, you know, after everybody crashed in, they subsequently went in and took selfies or whatever pictures. I don't know that they should be in trouble, but nonetheless, the scene he also described and the cops, no bigger supporter of the cops than me. You don't touch a police officer. You don't do anything but say yes, sir, and treat them with dignity and respect, whether you're stopped by a cop at a traffic stop or any other situation. You got a problem with the officer, you, you, you address it later. You jot down his name, you memorize his name, whatever, and you report it after the fact. But you don't touch a police officer. So let's get that straight, too. But this, the, the scenes, the mob scenes he described... And who did I hear say that? Oh, Donald Trump at a rally recently said, you listen to Biden talk about January 6th. It could have been the police station. Was it in Minneapolis during the George Floyd riots? It was taken over by the thugs. It was burnt to the ground after the cops were forced to run away. God knows why. Because you're not allowed to respond, you're not allowed to protect yourself, or you'd be a racist and you'd be you'd be prosecuted. But that's aside. So you could and Trump said, who did that? Are those people in jail? Don't make me laugh. I'm saying that. Of course, they're not in jail. Maybe they are. Maybe I'd be shocked. But you never heard about that people being prosecuted. In fact, Kamala Harris tweeted out at the time she was a link to contribute to a group that was getting these people, not specifically the ones who burned the police station, but those arrested uh, for, for the George Floyd stuff, getting them out on bail. They support that kind of violence. It's selective violence, okay? If they agree with the cause, you know, who wasn't it Chris Cuomo at the time who said, who says protests have to be nonviolent or peaceful or whatever he said? That's how they think. That's how they think. I mean, I think it's a crime just to, 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 to break into the Capitol Um and wasn't there a group in the Capitol, a pro-Palestinian group in the Capitol just a couple of weeks ago? And and I forget where it was. I just read it. A bunch of liberal Jew-ish groups, Jews, I was going to say liberal Jews, but liberal Jews in, in Jewish groups like Peace Now, I think, and all those, they, interu- they, they went into the Capitol and interrupted legislative uh, proceedings, I forget exactly where, in, in one state or one, I, I'll, I'll have it for you Monday or I'll look it up during the break. 
Isn't that an insurrection? Isn't that, shouldn't they all be locked up? So it, it, and of course the abortion clinics and the, you know, they're set on fire, they're firebombed and they don't find anybody who did it when it turns out people are urging it or coordinating it on X. It, it's one-sided. That's democracy. That's Joe Biden and the Democrats. New version, new definition of the new democracy. Let's go to uh, cut number, he said, 78. He promised it would be wild, and it was. He told the crowd to fight like hell, and all hell was unleashed. He promised he would write them, write them, everything they did. He would be side by side with them. Then, as usual, he left the dirty work to others. He retreated to the White House. As America was attacked from within, Donald Trump watched on TV in a private small dining room off, my oval, oval, off the Oval Office. The entire nation watched in horror. The whole world watched in disbelief. And Trump did nothing. Members of his staff, members of his family, Republican leaders who were under attack for the, at that very moment pled with him, act, call off the mob. Imagine had he gone out and said, stop. And still, Trump did nothing. It was among the worst derelictions of duty by a president in American history. No, oh, I don't know, Joe. First of all, let's be real. Just like Joe claims he ran for president or one of the things that made him run for president in 2020 was he saw the 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 march, uh, you know, uh, Jews will not replace us with the tiki torches. And he heard uh, uh, Donald Trump say there were good people on both sides. Of course, that's that he did say that, but that's out of context, because seconds later, he said, of course, I'm not referring to white nationalists or white supremacists. They should always be condemned. That's what he said. But that doesn't that never happened because that would ruin the narrative. So just like that is a lie about Trump because it's out of context. It doesn't tell you what he actually said completely. Um, so is this. Donald Trump said, let's march to the Capitol peacefully peacefully that's what he said that's what he said during the speech when right before people went to the capitol didn't hear biden mention that today did you no i didn't and i heard it haven't heard it so far here either same speech but you know what i'm saying so it's it's an it's it's just another lie another out of context misrepresented speech given by trump or 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 thing he said or that uh, accusation it, it's just it's all it's all made up of lies and by the way the what i was referring to and i guess i saw the story um this was um this was in october a large group of uh, jewish protesters called Jews Voice for Peace, came to the Cannon House Rotunda in the U.S. Capitol to demand a ceasefire, 300 of them, and there were 300 arrests. But I will bet you, I will bet you, now again, there was no violence, but I will bet you that none of them went to jail or are going to go to jail, just like 
you know, the, the, the nonviolent ones at the Capitol, some of them have gone to jail. That's my point. Okay. All right, let's continue uh, with a, so, some more of, uh, of Joe. And here we have um, cut number 79. Trump won't do what an American president must do. He refuses to denounce political violence. So hear me clearly. I'll say what Donald Trump won't. Political violence is never, ever acceptable in the United States political system. Never, never, never. It has no place in a democracy, none. You can't be pro-insurrectionist and pro-American. And yet Trump and his MAGA supporters not only embrace political violence, but they laugh about it. At his rally, he jokes about an intruder whipped up by the big Trump lie, taking a hammer to Paul Pelosi's skull and echoing the very same words used on January 6th. Where's Nancy? And he thinks that's funny. He laughed about it. What a sick... <laughs> My God. Okay, Joe, I would calm down if I were you. And again, the person who allegedly broke into Nancy Pelosi's place and hit the, her husband over the head with a hammer. He's been brought to justice. And, you know, it was, it was awful. It was horrific. I don't know if Trump laughed about this, but the claim from the left that anybody who ever said anything about Nancy Pelosi has blood on their hands for what happened to her husband is insane foolish insane and people see through that now he there's no place for political violence no how about joe is there a place for politicians elected officials and those running for elective office is there a place for them to urge violence or express the desire to commit violence against a sitting president of the united states or Supreme Court justices or cabinet members because you've been involved in it. Cory Booker's been involved in it. Carol Mosley Braun's been involved in it and others. And again, sorry if it's repetitive for some of you, but he brought it up and you're not going to see this on the networks, so you might as well see it right now or hear it. And uh, let's go first to, um, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, he said, that the first one of, uh, of the calls for violence is um, 289, and it, no, no, it's going to be 291, and it's, it's Joe Biden himself. One when he was campaigning for Hillary, and when he was vice president, and one when he was campaigning against Trump, who was president. Watch. He said, because I'm famous, because I'm a star, because I'm a billionaire, I can do things other people can't. What a disgusting assertion for anyone to make. The press always asks me, don't I wish I were debating him? No, I wish you were in high school. I could take him behind the gym. That's what I wish. They asked me, would I like to debate this gentleman? And I said, no. I said, if we were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. 
There's your, there's your two-bit hypocrite punk. Okay? And the media will never, ever, and when I say the media, there are people out there that will, a handful, but the media never, ever would juxtapose him saying what he said today, no place for political violence, no place, and that cut, those two cuts from him. Nor will they let you hear this from a sitting senator, from the U.S. senator from the state of New Jersey on a late night show with Seth Meyers while Donald Trump was president. Listen to this jackass. Here's a cut to 90. I was running on a uh, Iowa stage and we were so psyched, hundreds of people there. I'm about to jump up and this guy sees me, the former tight end from Stanford University. He's a big guy. He puts his arm around me and he goes, dude, I want you to punch Donald Trump in the face. And I stop in my tracks and I go, dude, that's a felony, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, the, 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 this, uh, Donald Trump is a guy who you understand he hurts you. And, you, and my testosterone sometimes makes me want to uh, uh, feel like punching him, and, uh, which would be bad for this elderly, out of shape man that he is if yeah. I did that. Uh, um, uh, this physically, awesome. physically weak specimen. All right, he should have been freaking arrested that he, his testosterone, because he's so macho. He's Mr. Macho. He reeks macho. He bleeds macho. He sweats macho. He, 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 he eats macho. He is macho. Next to him, the dictionary, there it is. Corey Booker, macho. Picture of Corey. He wants to punch Donald Trump in the face, the sitting president. <laughs> and that wouldn't be good for, for him. He's like 30 years older than you, you punk. No mention of that from Joe Biden or anybody on the left. And then, of course, there was Chuck Schumer, the highest ranking Democrat in the U.S. Senate, warning two conservative Supreme Court justices. Well, let's 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 let you hear it for yourself. Here's cut two eighty nine. Republican legislatures are waging a war on women, all women. And they're taking away fundamental rights. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. You won't know what hit you. You will pay the price. Now let's, again, before we go to break, let me just mention Supreme Court justices aren't elected. You can't run against them. They can't lose their, their, their um, position. So what is he threatening them with exactly that you won't know what hits you? You'll pay the price. Their jobs, their, their positions as Supreme Court justices? No. Uh, what's left? Violence? These are disgusting, despicable hypocrites, and they should all be called out. The Republicans should be having a press conference today and playing everything I just played for you in response to what Biden said. Won't happen. Because if you're a Democrat, you get to say, threaten, do whatever you want, whether you're Antifa or a sitting senator or 
vice president of the United States. You could threaten violence. But if you're a MAGA person, you got a MAGA hat, you better not walk into that Capitol and take a selfie. You're an insurrectionist. Democracy, democracy at work. All right, folks, we'll come back. We got a lot more Steve Malsberg right here on TNT. TNT Radio's Hervoy Morich. Approximately 650,000 Ukrainian men aged 18 to 60 have left Ukraine for Europe since the start of the war. It's a tough spot. If your country is being invaded, uh, that's one thing, and you're a, a male and a citizen. Um, but you know, if the war, if it's a globalist war, I wouldn't want to participate in these banker globalist wars, and most of them just uh, are. Pervoy Morich on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Potential delays for the morning commute. In other news, a recent government report on prescription drug pricing points to corporate mouth. Freedom of the press is about your right to know. What are you talking about, man? Look at his stats. It's about your right to be informed. Your right to access all types of information keeps us free as a nation. No, 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 no. Today, there are real threats to press freedom. And your right to know about the world around us. Look. Some threats are obvious. Some are easy to miss. But they all put our way of life at risk. We must defend against all of these threats, no matter what kind of news is important to you. Justified putting American troops in harm's way. That's a great question. We must protect our right to know before it's too late. Understand the threats. Protectpressfreedom.org. Top of the hour, we'll keep on top of the news. It's the most important thing we can do. On today's News Talk, TNT Radio. All right, folks, welcome back. Okay, so we have one more uh, from Joe Biden and his uh, speech in Pennsylvania today, his hypocritical, pathetic speech. And here is cut number 80. And now these MAGA voices who know the truth about Trump on January 6th, have abandoned the truth and abandoned the democracy. They made their choice. Now the rest of us, Democrats, independents, mainstream Republicans, we have to make our choice. I know mine, and I believe I know America's. We'll defend the truth, not give in to the big lie. We'll embrace the Constitution and the Declaration, not abandon it will honor the sacred cause of democracy, not walk away from it. Today, I make this sacred pledge to you, the defense, protection, and preservation of American democracy will remain as it has been, the central cause of my presidency. Yes, he's the defender of democracy. He is the defender of democracy. It's, it's sad, it's scary, and it couldn't be more serious. As, uh, as Kamala Harris said, this is the most election <laughs> in our lifetimes. That's what she said. This is the most election <laughs> in our lifetime. 
what does that mean? Who the hell knows? Oh boy. But it, it, it's the most consequential, the most important, the, 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 the I mean, it, we are, we are at a crossroads. I know I, I think back to presidential elections and how many times I've said this, I've said this so many times with Clinton, with, with Bush, with, uh, you know, with uh, when Obama was running and the first time he, and then this with McCain and then with Romney and of course, then with Trump uh, 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 and then with Biden. But, but look where we are. This country is unrecognizable. These Democrats and liberals and progressives are unashamed of what they're doing to this country. They love it. They, they pride themselves on it. They, they're happy. They're, they, they're proud. Little kids with drag queens, little kids reading books in school about how to have gay sex. Little kids telling their teacher, I want to be a girl when they're a boy. And the teacher is forbidden by law to tell the parents. What country is that? What country? And that's just that topic. I mean, we are in big, big trouble. Freedom? Freedom? You, you think you could wear a MAGA hat? Or a MAGA shirt? Or a Trump shirt? Or a Trump hat? Walk through cities? Good luck. That's outrageous. That's outrageous. You might as well be wearing a yarmulke. That's another issue. I mean, with this country, big trouble, big trouble. Now, I want to I want to play a, a, an Al Sharpton clip again. You you interpret it. I'll play it for you. You interpret it. Um, Al, Al Sharpton uh, talking about the resignation of uh, of uh, Gay President Gay from Harvard. And he takes to task Bill Ackman, a hedge fund big shot millionaire who he blames for helping to precipitate and force the move by gay to step down at Harvard. And he he and his group, Sharpton and his group picketed outside, I believe, the offices of uh, of Ackman in New York City. And he was on MSNBC with appropriately enough, Joy Reid, not because she's black, but because she's as radical as Sharpton is. And um, talking about DEI, of course, and here is cut number 74. That this is about ending DEI. He called for the board of Harvard, uh, the whole board to resign, even after they have uh, forced the resignation of Dr. Gay. Because Dr. Gay was really a pawn for them to go after DEI. And that's the number. Uh, as you accurately said, they've been after diversity and after inclusion since 64 Civil Rights Act. And they certainly made a lot of commitments in the private sector uh, in 2020 around George Floyd that they had not kept. So today, to make it clear to them that there is not going to be uh, an easy fight. We're going to fight in the streets, in the courts, to preserve the rights of people in this country to demand diversity, equity, and inclusion. We're going to fight in the streets and the courts, which is fine, but we're going to fight in the streets, says the man who's been known to fight in the streets. 
Now, I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. But if you had a Republican or uh, if a Republican talk show host, you know, conservative talk show host or a commentator or whatever, or a MAGA person was on a show on Fox and said, well, the Supreme Court, you know, they, they, if they don't remedy this and put Trump back on the ballot, or if Trump gets convicted and goes to jail, we're going to fight in the streets to make sure he stays on that ballot. What do you think that would be page one? Biden would be talking about it. Karine Jean-Pierre, who you'll hear from in a second, that great historic, self-proclaimed historic figure, she'd be weighing in on it. It would be outrageous. The Department of Justice and the FBI would come down on that person and start seeing who they called and who they've texted and who's been in contact with them and where are they going and what are they doing? Do you think that's a joke? We will fight in the streets, says Al Sharpton. Not much different than what Chuck Schumer said, kind of, sort of. Or, or although Chuck Schumer uh, said, said, yeah, Chuck Schumer left it wide open to be massive violence. Cory Booker just wanted to punch Trump on his own, and Joe Biden just wanted to beat the hell out of Trump on his own. But this, we will fight in the streets. Now, is this insignificant? Probably. But folks, it depends who says it. It depends because when Lindsey Graham said something similar about, again, something involving Trump, and if it doesn't happen or if it does happen, you're going to see people in the street, whatever. He didn't say he, he didn't say we are going to go into the streets. He didn't say we're going to fight in the streets. He said, you'll see people do it. And he was lambasted for threatening violence. Well, to me, as I heard it, Al Sharpton just threatened violence. But you won't hear one peep from anybody else on this. I bet you. I bet you nobody else brings this up anywhere. Because it is a little insignificant. But it's when you have the double standard, you don't have democracy. When you don't call out one side for saying that, but you do call out the other side for saying it. It's not democracy. All right. Now, over on uh, over at the White House press briefing, the aforementioned Karine Jean-Pierre, uh, first gay, lesbian, well, first lesbian black press secretary, who it turns out reportedly doesn't get along too well with John Kirby. And they often split the White House uh, press briefing. They often stand on the same stage. Yeah. And reportedly, while he's lambasting Hamas and calling out Hamas. She's not too crazy about all that. Yeah, you got a little thing going on. Again, reportedly. Isn't that nice? <laughs> Who do you think will emerge victorious from that one? Well, probably the self-proclaimed historic figure because boxes are checked. You can find a white guy anywhere. Okay. All right. So here, uh, this is uh, Reuters uh, reporter Trevor Hunnicutt, and he asks 
uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre, if policy changes are needed to preserve democracy. This was right before Biden spoke in anticipation of his speech on protecting democracy. And so the question was, do we need policy changes to protect democracy? And here's cut 69. I don't have any policies uh, to announce or preview for you at this time. Look, the president has always been clear. I've been clear from this podium as well. Uh, what happened on Jan January 6th was unprecedented, uh, an attack on our core principles, an attack on our democracy. What we saw uh, was an attack on our rule of law, attack on our constitution. We saw the Confederate flag uh, in, in the middle of the Capitol building. Uh, it is. It was a, a terrifying and horrific day, uh, and um, a, you know, a, a dark day in our history, uh, sadly. But I just don't have, as far as policy-wise and our uh, strengthening our institutions, don't have anything to share at this but time. But specifically, does he think the United States is ready to have free and fair elections in November? Well, it's. We have to. I mean, that is what we need. We have to. That's what the president believes in, right? It, he believes in having a democracy that works, on having a free and fair election. That's something that he has spoken to, uh, obviously. Uh, but I don't, as far as our policies for our institutions, uh, announcing any new policy, I don't have anything just announced at, the, at this time. But clearly, that is something that uh, the different agencies who are involved are certainly making sure that we, we get to a place that we're, we're you know, where Americans are able to, to vote freely. On, in November, we get to a place that we're, we're you know, we're, we're Americans are able to to vote freely on in November. Making sure that we get the agencies are involved in making sure that we get to a place where everyone has a chance to vote freely in November. We're not there yet. People still can't vote. Let's see. You already gave them a month or two to vote. You already gave them boxes to drop off, to fill out ballots. Uh, you already gave them every kind of a, no identification needed to go vote. What else you need? What else you need? What a joke. What a joke. And, and she never said, notice, I have no policy, no policy changes or no policies to announce for you or to give you. She said that twice at the beginning and near the end. And, but our agencies are constantly involved in making sure that we get to the point where people have the right, you know, are able to vote. So I may not have any policies to announce right now, but stay tuned. That's how I heard that answer. <laughs> and of course, any policy change regarding voting, making it more easy and e easier and more available and more questionable without identification or, or accountability, that would be under the heading of democracy. <laughs> Don't you love it? Don't you just love it? All right, folks, we have one final segment left in the first week of shows in the new year. Wow, did it speed by. Anyway, but it's not done yet. So come back, Steve Malzberg, right here on TNT. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine has vetoed a bill that would protect Ohio's school children by banning boys from competing in girls' sports and banning genital mutilation under the guise of gender-affirming surgery. That's not gender-affirming to take a boy's penis and turn it into an artificial vagina. That's gender denying. The problem is that I'm hearing from too many conservatives that it's not the government's place to make these decisions. Oh really? 
The government already outlaws child pornography, child abuse, child rape, and even child labor. The government has laws protecting children from smoking cigarettes or using other tobacco products or drinking or taking other drugs. It's already illegal in Ohio for a surgeon to operate on a child without parental consent. So what this law actually was about is protecting children from their psychotic parents that are using their children to push their own social agenda. So to say that we need to leave these decisions to the parents completely misses the point. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. I didn't ask to be thrown in the streets with nowhere to go, but I did ask for help and Covenant House was there for me. One in 10 young adults will experience a form of homelessness this year. For these kids who didn't ask to be put in this unthinkable situation, Covenant House is there, providing hot meals, a safe place to sleep, medical care, and love. They just really genuinely just wanted to help me succeed and I'm succeeding. To learn more, go to safeplacetosleep.org today. I didn't ask to be thrown in the streets with nowhere to go, but I did ask for help and Covenant House was there for me. One in 10 young adults will experience a form of homelessness this year. For these kids who didn't ask to be put in this unthinkable situation, Covenant House is there, providing hot meals, a safe place to sleep, medical care, and love. They just really genuinely just wanted to help me succeed, and I'm succeeding. To learn more, go to safeplacetosleep.org today. The Steve Malzberg Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. All right, so uh, let's shift over to um, the Supreme Court. And as I said at the top of the show, the uh, U.S. Supreme Court has announced that February 8th, they will hear arguments uh, involving uh, the uh, case of uh, Donald Trump and the ballot in Colorado. Of course, he was kicked off the ballot in Colorado by the Colorado State Supreme Court. And Donald Trump appealed to the Supreme Court and they will hear the case February 8th. So it's still almost a, a month away. Uh, here we have Maggie Haberman of the New York Times. Almost every time Mediaite runs a Maggie Haberman clip, it's Maggie Haberman. The headline is Maggie Haberman, Trump's afraid. Maggie Haberman, Trump isn't sure of Maggie Haberman. In other words, he doesn't say these things, Trump, but she hears these things. And I like it to me, it's, so, it's such non-news because it's common sense. Like Trump's afraid he'll wind up in jail. Well, of course he's afraid he'll wind up in jail. Who wouldn't be? You know, it's it just it's just so ridiculous. But here we're talking about um, the Colorado ballot and also the immunity case. Trump has also asked the Supreme Court to rule in his favor that he's immune to prosecution for any crimes he committed while he was president. Now I said yesterday that's insane, but. Here we are talking about the, uh, uh, the, the, two, uh, the two cases, Anderson Cooper and her, and it's cut number 55. Maggie, how much do you think the former president is betting on favorable Supreme Court intervention, whether it's the issue of ballot qualification or immunity from prosecution? I think those are different cases. I don't think that his folks are particular, or he are particularly optimistic that he, they're going to win on the presidential immunity. Although, as you, as you said, I reported earlier that he is going to show up next week for arguments that he's not going to be able to be part of, but he will be there and it will create a, a special 
spectacle, certainly. On this question, which is a separate one, his team feels more confident that the Supreme Court is going to go with him. He has said that himself, but he has also said to other people, and one of his lawyers uh, confirmed this reporting earlier today, he has said to some people he's concerned that the justices who he appointed are going to be afraid of looking like they're taking his side politically and not doing that. And some of that is because he has been very angry, as you know, at the justices he appointed that they haven't gone his way. They've they've gone his way on policy matters on a number of cases. They have not on his election-related cases. Okay. Uh, uh, agreed. Um, I mean, I, I tend to agree with her here, but um, it, it, look, again, this is so... This would be such a devastating blow to our democracy. I just can't imagine that there are, you know, that the conservative justices forget that they're appointed by Trump. I just can't imagine that they would say, no, Colorado State Supreme Court has a right to say that Trump committed this crime, even though he's never been charged with it, even though, you know, he's never been accused of it. I mean, not, never been charged or convicted of it. Uh, so therefore, he falls under the 14th Amendment, uh, Section 3, and therefore he can't run and he gets kicked off the ballot. It, 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 there's no case here. There's just no case here. So it doesn't matter if none of these uh, conservatives were appointed by, by Donald Trump. And I, again, I expect one out of three, I don't know who, one out of three of the liberal justices will possibly go along with Trump. Now, um, one of Trump's attorneys uh, was asked uh, about the justices the Trump appointees, the non-Trump appointees, and uh, talking about the um, uh, the um, they played first. They played the the uh, a cut from CNN, met uh, the Maggie Haberman cut. I think it was a different cut, uh, saying the same thing on a different show. So let's watch. Here's cut fifty-six. He has also voiced some concern that a court that has you know he appointed uh, three of the justices uh, to the Supreme Court and it gave a the conservatives a supermajority. He is concerned that they are going to look as if they're trying not to rule in his favor and might rule against him. What do you say about that, Alina? Yeah, that's a, that's a concern that he's voiced to me. Um, he's voiced to everybody publicly, not privately. And I can tell you that his concern is a valid one. You know, Republicans are conservative. They get nervous. They unfortunately are uh, sometimes shy away from being pro-Trump because they feel that even if the law's on our side, uh, they may appear to be swayed much like the Democratic side would do, right? So they're trying so hard to look neutral that sometimes they make the wrong call. Okay, so look, I, 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 he may be uh, afraid of it. Who the hell knows? But we'll see. I mean, that, that's that, uh, Alina Habas is, 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 is one of Trump's attorneys, so she should know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, you can't have these justices intimidated, afraid, blackmailed. You can't. Let's hope none of that is happening. Let's just hope none of that is happening. Now, um, they're also going after Clarence Thomas, and they will. Go after Clarence Thomas with a vengeance as this case gets close, closer. And then after it's been decided and Trump wins, they're really going to go after him. This is uh, Congressman Jamie Raskin, uh, Democrat. And uh, please, uh, let's go to cut uh, 12. Three of the sitting justices were appointed by Donald Trump. And in addition to that, Justice Clarence Thomas's wife, Ginny, texted with Mark Meadows about the 2020 election in the lead up to January 6th, as you will know. Should any of the justices recuse themselves if they take this up? 
Well, um, finally, the Supreme Court has developed what they're describing as a code of ethics. It's not binding in the sense that they're not going to anyone else. They could have gone to, for example, circuit court justices. You, you could have had state Supreme Court justices on a panel. But so they're, they're deciding for themselves, again, whether they're in violation of their code of ethics. But I think anybody looking at this in any kind of dispassionate, reasonable way would say if your wife was involved in the big lie and claiming that Donald Trump had actually won the presidential election, had been agitating for that and participating in the events leading up to January 6th, that you shouldn't be participating. So in, he should recuse himself. He should. Oh, he absolutely should recuse himself. The question is, what do we do if he doesn't? The question is, what do we do if he doesn't? Whoa. What are you going to do? What are you going to do, Congressman? What are you going to do? Begin impeachment proceedings against Clarence Thomas? You think you have a prayer? The idea, of course, is to taint Donald Trump even more with anything. And they despise Clarence Thomas because he's an independent, conservative black man. And they hate him for it. They hate conservative women, conservative blacks, conservative Hispanics, conservative trans people. They don't count as being in that demographic uh, because they're, you know, as, as some of them like to say, not down with the cause. They call Clarence Thomas uh, Uncle Tom. It's disgusting. Here's one more uh, from uh, this conversation, and this is uh, cut number 13. I think it's going to be uh, tough for some of them if they want to keep Trump on the ballot, if they're falling for the argument that this is undemocratic. I mean, is it undemocratic that Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jennifer Granholm can't run for president because they weren't born in the country? If you think about it, of all the forms of disqualification we have, the one that disqualifies people for engaging in insurrection is the most democratic because it's the one where people choose themselves to be disqualified. In terms of your age or where you were born, that's not up to you. But you know, Donald Trump is in that tiny, tiny number of people who've essentially disqualified themselves. <laughs> so, no, it's not unfair that if you weren't born here and if you're not of the age to run, that you can't run. No, that's not unfair at all. What is unfair is to have someone say you committed a crime when you've never been charged or, or convicted of that crime, and then say you can't run. But to Raskin, in his warped mind, that's the fairest of the three. That's the fairest of the three. Yeah, if he committed insurrection, if he was charged and convicted, that's a different story. But he wasn't. <laughs> they, they leave that little, little bit of a detail out. And it's never going to change. It's never going to change. Okay, folks, um, God willing, we reconvene on, uh, on Monday, 9 p.m. Eastern time, right here. We'll have a lot more to get to. I'm sure it's going to be a busy weekend. Every day is going to be a busy day from now until the election and then after the election as well. So have a great rest of your weekend. I'm Steve Malsberg right here on TNT.